Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, we're George and James and today we're getting pretentious with I Am Easy to Find by The National. What's up, James? What's up? That was energetic. I told George before he recorded to, to get some energy, and then, bam! I did. I found it. Yeah. I went. I went deep into the mentally isolated self. Yes, we we are still in self isolation. Uh, still in lockdown. Day fifty-seven for George. For me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Still George is keeping a tally. He's like crossing them off each day, which I yeah. think is not healthy, but he's doing it anyway. Um, yeah, you gotta have something to do. I don't know if I want to know how long because I feel like if I think about it for too much, it will like have an effect on me. Well, you see, it's only days that I've not been working due to quarantine. Um, so if I get this job that I applied for, I will, I will no longer be filling out the tally. Mm. If not, I'm just not gonna. I'm gonna carry on. Just gonna carry on tallying carry up the days. Yeah, until day a hundred. Wow. And then I'll break out. Could get to day a hundred. You never know. I do feel like if we get, if if it becomes too much longer, I feel like people are gonna start just breaking it i think well we're already doing better than america when it comes to that so we just can't we can't be as bad as america no so uh well done america you're doing a great job for making us yeah making us feel like we're okay yeah i i do feel like um i mean see i don't know if i should say this because half of our listeners are in america but I'm sure the listeners who we have that are in America are not the people that I'm going to be talking about. But I'm regularly, I'm regularly embarrassed by our country, right? And then... Uh, England, yeah. Yeah. But then America comes along and makes me go, huh, maybe, maybe we're not too bad. <laughs> yeah, uh, like music and art definitely goes beyond above and beyond politics when it comes to that sort of thing and let's be honest most musicians and artists are not experiencing much different uh, their lifestyle's not changed much since isolation has happened no unless you're like a uh mind you you say that i mean but performing you, yeah performing is like you know you've you were supposed to be on tour, weren't you? So, a little tour. Yeah. So, a little mini tour. That's something. Which has not happened. Yeah. Yeah. But at least I can still sit at home and write. Like the amount of people that are now in isolation and they're now like learning instruments and doing art that never did it before 
and we're all just doing it still anyway. Yeah, <laughs> it's like it's not changed for us. Yeah, no, no, I, I've I've started painting, so that's a new art form for me as well. So, yeah, I say painting. It's more just like abstract expressionism. Yeah, that's what we decided last night. Weirdly enough, I was doing it while listening to this album. So interesting. Well, the, I mean, the artwork is similar has its essence in expressionist yeah um actually i'm gonna get i'm gonna get the artwork up in big and have a look because i do really like the artwork i think to be fair we'll get into a lot of the visuals around this album are very nice and very well thought out i think yeah definitely don't know the decisions behind the artwork i mean obviously i know that the actress in it yeah she's she plays the child in the short film but i'm curious as to what the paint means yeah i don't know what the paint means either um because there's five marks and they're all different color palettes yeah i don't know whether it's meant to be the childness the childlikeness that maybe it's meant to kind of represent innocence I do like it though. Yeah, the artwork is one of my favourite things about the album. <laughs> <laughs> Take that as you will. Um, so uh, we well, we may as well get we may as well get into it. Um, yeah, I would say we could go on a tangent, but literally my life is consisted of watching Star Wars. Yeah, um, which is great. and that's about it. Um, so a good place as always to start is our relationships with the band previous to us listening to it for the podcast. Um, Did you love it? Did you hate it? Let me know in the comment section below. So I, I'm, a, I'm a national fan. I think that's fair to oh. say. Um, Have you seen them once or twice? I've only seen them once. I'm due to see yeah. them again in, I think, May or June. But that's not going to happen, is it? Um, no. So I don't think that will happen. But I've only seen them. Is that one. for a new album? No, it's still for this. I'm one, easy I think. to find. Yeah. Oh yeah, it was last year. It's not actually that long ago. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it, that's probably not going to happen anymore. I imagine. So, yeah. Um. So I'm a fan, but I. Uh, but equally, I'm not a fan that really knows them that well in depth sort of thing because they do have quite a fair few albums at yeah, this point. Yeah, I'm surprised how many albums they had. And I really am only f- like intimately familiar with the last two. So I Am Easy to Find, which is what we're talking about today, and Sleep Well Beast. Um, Sleep Well Beast is really where I sort of discovered them. I would say. Yeah, I think I remember Actually, that's listening not true. to that one. I also know Trouble Will Find Me, the album before Sleep Well Beast. But... So those three, really, are the albums that... Trouble Behind Me. Which one's that one? Trouble Will Find Me is... Oh, Trouble Will Find Me. Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. The one that's got kind of a similar artwork to this one. Yeah, it's kind of got an interesting sort of like someone's... I feel like it's like their head's like hot in a... I don't even know how to describe it, really. It's like an It's very similar. 
um, I was watching a really good video, one of those YouTube art documentaries that some randomer of the internet had made. Right. Um, he was talking about, oh, I don't know how to say his name. He was a Polish horror painter and photographer. Um, I know his last name was Beksinski right. or something like that. Um, his first name begins with a Z and a D, so I wow. don't know how you say that. Okay. Don't know how. Well, it's Z D Z, so I don't know how you. And then it ends in slaw, so I don't. That's... I don't want to slaughter his name. Yeah. So Ben Beks Beksinski was a photographer. Right. He was one of the first people I want to say back in the forties and the fifties who really experimented with breaking down the boundaries of photography when it came to portraits and actually observing the world through an abstract point of mind or point of view. And this kind of reminds me of that a little bit, but a lot softer. Um, His was a lot more dark. Oh yeah. His stuff is really dark. Yeah. But he would use mirrors and stuff to break apart the human body so you could observe it from a different point of view. Taking away the unnatural beauty that photography initially put upon our world. It's it's very Eastern European, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. it's very of the kind of Polish dark. yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it kind of reminds me of that, which is weird because it's a very soft album. Yeah, but I I feel like there's always a hint of darkness in in anything they do. I mean, that's seventy. That's we've had seventy years to develop that style into a more mainstream style. Yeah, but I think even I would describe national as not like a. They're definitely not a. a they're not happy go lucky. No, they're not, are they? So there's definitely dark darkness in their music and melancholy melancholy is definitely the way of describing the palette of their material Mm. um so so i i've been a a fan for a little bit um george what's been your Mm. take on the national um i've never really listened to that i've listened to their last album a little bit just as a kind of enemy and pitchfork said that it's a good album, so I listened to it. It's not my sort of thing. Mm. I would not usually listen to this. Um, but I forced him to for the podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I went in and out of enjoying it, definitely. Okay. Um, I've listened to it two or three times through, plus I watched the film. Um. In the context of the film, I enjoyed it a lot more. Um, just musically, I don't find it very engaging for a lot of it, anyway. Right. Parts of it I did enjoy, like the opener. I had hopes, high hopes, when I listened to the first track, um, and it comes in with those cool drums and the sort of baby, 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 baby. Yeah. I don't know what that is. It feels yeah. like a guitar, maybe. Yeah. Um, like a very processed guitar. Yeah. I really enjoyed... I enjoyed that for a bit. 
for a bit. <laughs> See, I feel like so. Th- so this is what how I feel with. Um, so when we started this podcast, we had like a list of albums that we both contributed to that we wanted to do, and I put the National on there, but I put Sleep Well Beast on there because I thought that in terms of getting George to like the National, that would be a better point for him to listen to because I feel like that album is um it's like it's 12 tracks um a lot of them have like a bit of a beat to them and they're a bit more like up tempo than this album I feel like you would have probably liked it more than I am easy to find but I picked I am easy to find when we were deciding to do it recently because of all the stuff that it's got going on with it, like the film and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, but this album is like, it's 16 tracks long. I don't know how, it what's the long. running time on it? It's, it's at, just hour. over an hour. But it feels, I, 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 like I would admit, as much as I like this album, it feels too long, I think. I think you could cut <sighs> Yeah, there's down. one song in particular, Not in Kansas. You're going to say you don't like that one. I don't like not. I really like that one. <laughs> but I felt like you were going to say that when you were about to say it. <laughs> I appreciate... It feels very... Um, very similar to a lot of old Irish folk tunes, which is nice. I can appreciate the background and influence of the song. It is, um, it is nearly seven minutes long. It's... <sighs> It's a, nearly seven minutes of just mumbly talking. I, I just, I, I can't appreciate. It's a nice story, but no, <laughs> not my cup of tea. It's, I, and I must admit, actually, I don't like his voice. Oh, really? What, just generally? Yeah. I really like the songs where it's got the lady singing, I don't know her name. But I really like her voice. I think I I do think, but I think they're. Um, do you, do you think they're good together? Because I think together they're quite nice. Like together, his, they're definitely his nice, sort of mumbly, yeah. low pitch sort of. It helps. It. I think this is what makes this probably their best album. Is that it keeps. It sounds very father daughter esque, right? It feels very life affirming. It sounds the whole album feels like a father having a conversation with their daughter and observing them grow up, which which is the film. It fits with the film, yeah. yeah. So and the, it de- that comes across, and the way they made this album, which is maybe why the film, why the album, uh, feels a little bit baggy, I think. So so I've got the deluxe like final yeah. set, right? And you get the whole album obviously, but you also get the last LP of the 3 LP deluxe final thing. It's just the soundtrack of the film. Oh okay. And is that with all of the spoken bits and stuff as well? Yeah. Okay. Um and so it's like what it's like 25 minutes long, so I think that's how long the film yeah. is. Yeah. Um and the way they made it, so 
Mike Mills, the director of the film, had basically gone to the National and wanted to do something with them just yeah. around the time they finished Sleepwell Beast and they sort of didn't have any music videos they could make for that because they'd already done them all. So they were like, we've got a bunch of tracks that we're working on. Yeah. Do you want to just make something with these? And so he just started making a film with the like the work in progress tracks that he'd been given and he just like played around with them and fit stuff together as he wanted to. Um, Interesting. And so that's why some of the music in the film is slightly different to the music in the album because they've like gone in slightly different directions at times. Or he's using earlier like vocal takes or whatever. Oh, I see. And um, so I think I was listening to the soundtrack of the film the other day while I was painting and I actually thought if this was the album obviously it would have to be slightly longer than 25 minutes but if they did the album like this because I think the way the um I've seen someone else describe this album as like a mood piece rather than like an album um and I I sort of agree with that I would agree with that but I feel like if they'd have done it in the way that when you listen to the soundtrack, you get it where songs sort of start and then they sort of fade out and another one comes in and elements of songs come in and out. Um, That would have been a really interesting thing for them to do. And obviously it wouldn't have been a conventional album, but I thought listening to that 25 minute thing on its own without any of the visuals to sort of Mm. distract me, um, I sort of thought, I wondered whether you specifically would have enjoyed it more because I feel like the album is a little bit too long and too baggy because when you get to a song like Not In In Kansas, unless you're like into it, what it's doing, Mm. and then, then you're stuck with it for seven minutes, right? Whereas... In the sort of in a, in that if, if they'd have done the album in that sort of same way the soundtrack happens where sort of stuff comes in and fades out if you'd have just got like one verse of not his Kansas and then it sort of moved into something else maybe you would sort of like I don't know yeah get into it a bit more yeah it definitely the album feels a bit like just a period of the national and it's all of the songs it feels like a deluxe album there feels Mm. like songs in there that don't need to be on the album yeah that could have been chucked on and on the end as a deluxe edition yeah or used for another album but i can see why all of the songs make sense with the mood and the concept of the album so i can see why they wanted to keep them all together yeah it's a tough one, the the kind of composition of the album. It's I can imagine it was quite tough in the studio to actually decide on a track list if they were to get rid of some. Because I reckon they still got rid of a couple of songs mm. or ideas anyway. I also think as well there's like there's not a like you said, it's difficult to sign on a track list because I also think there's not necessarily obvious songs that you would put at the start well i think you've got your obvious opener and your obvious closer which is what they've got like 
You Had Your Soul With You is a great opener. Yeah. And Light Years, which I think is the best track on the whole album. I think Light Years is probably one of the best songs the National have done. I think that as the end is really strong. Mm. And that at the end of the film is really strong as well. Yeah, it does work very well in the film. Um, it's yeah, light is really rounds it off nicely. But other than that, you could sort of rearrange the tracks, and I think you could come up with a track listing that's as good as what they've got already. Yeah, the songs are quite broad in their approach. But there's like not very many of them that you're like, oh, that's an obvious sort of like upbeat banger. That's like a... Yeah. Really, the only, like, I guess Rylan is quite upbeat because it's got that hot, like heavy sort of drum thing going Rylan. on. Oh, yeah. But I'd say that's in a good place. It picks it up just before the end. Yeah, but like that's the only but, one that, like, it's one of the only ones that stands out to me is like, okay, this is like a pick up the album yeah. track whereas the rest are all sort of on the same level of just sort of like melancholy and yeah it's, it's slow definitely one and, mood yeah i think that's the first time i tried listening to the album i was trying to i was trying to do something quite active um, national i'm not the not, man to be active to yeah not not exercise. I think I was cooking or something. Yeah, and it just didn't really fit. Right. I d- I wasn't enjoying it. Um, but then I actually listened to it again. Just sat down doing nothing, and just actually listened to it. And actually, I listened to it as well when going around the shops. So I listened to about half the album stood in the queue. Yeah, and that felt quite fitting. <laughs> It definitely worked for me the other day when I was painting. It's quite a good album to paint to. Yeah, it's definitely a mood album. Yeah. You've got to be in the right headspace to get it. Um, I mean, I don't, yeah. I can't say I will revisit. Yeah. Are there any songs in particular? So maybe if you're not revisiting the album, are you are you revisiting any songs maybe? Or is it just sort of... Is it hard no. to separate the songs from the sort of body? If of the I was album? to revisit it, I would be listening to the whole album because right. I do think it works really well as an album. Mm. It's just not but, an album that you identify with, really. Oh, the only song that stood out to me was not in Kansas, and that's just because I didn't like it. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's. I think it's quite hard to 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 maybe pick out certain songs on this. Like we said, because it feels like a mood piece. Yeah. It's sort of hard I to would, like. I think it's going to be one of those albums that I'll maybe come back to in a couple of years mm. and just be like, oh, I want to experience how that album made me feel again. Right. I'll listen to it again. Yeah. And go, yeah, that was all right. And then I won't listen to it again for another couple of years. <laughs> Should we talk about the film? Um because I think that's so intrinsically linked with the album that you sort of have to talk about it. Film is definitely its own standalone feat. Like it's very impressively done. Yeah. And it improves the album. 
which yeah. is kind of what you're looking is what you're looking for. I think it, I think like it that. does as well. And that's from someone who likes the album and liked the album before I cuz I realized I hadn't actually sat down and watched the whole thing before yesterday before we did our podcast. Yeah. And uh that's someone who likes the album. Actually the album made a bit more sense when I watched the film. Yeah, agreed. And you talk about how the album feels like you're a conversation between a father and a daughter, and you definitely get that sense from the film because basically yeah. for anyone who hasn't seen the film, Alicia Vikander is the lead actress in it, and she is playing... Well, she's playing someone throughout their whole life. So she starts as a baby, and it ends as her as an old woman. And... But she looks the same through, like she looks like Alicia Vikander throughout. Um, Which in itself is a cool little concept. It's a cool idea, and she plays it really well, actually. Uh, what I you can sort I of like look a, at her and know what age she's playing, even though you, yeah, she she's do not aged well. at all. Yeah, what I really like that idea, the idea behind that, because you're always the same person. Mm. And it's a good way to visually represent that. Like, it doesn't matter how old you are, you're still you. Yeah, and you feel the same while everyone else is changing around you. Yeah. And while you do physically age, I don't feel like you necessarily... Well, we all age internally, obviously, in terms of, like, we mature yeah. and all that kind of stuff, but you are the same. You learn more, you learn more and you hold yourself differently, but you're still you. Yeah. Which is what she does throughout the film. She mm. actually holds herself differently. Yeah. But she's still her. Like, because you know, it's when she's like, um, there's a scene where she's like an old woman. Because um, throughout the film, she gets like. So basically, like through the film, there are these like little subtitles that sort of like mm. mark different points in the, her life. Which, when we first watched the... I remember watching that together yeah. for the first time. And I hated the subtitles at first. Yeah, I wasn't keen at first. And actually, again, having a bit of space from it and watching it all the way through yesterday... Uh, it makes sense. I actually didn't mind the subtitles at all. And you also can see where they've pulled... Either they've pulled from lyrics to make subtitles or they've pulled from the subtitles to make lyrics yeah yeah it's related to a certain extent she gets like new best friends throughout the film it's like her new best her best friend her new best friend her new best friend like throughout the film and yeah. there's one where she's sitting with this old woman who's her new best friend because obviously she's supposed to be old at this point yeah. but there's some there's something in the way like Alicia Vikana like walks over to the table she doesn't like walk like an old woman like if you were doing a bad impression of an old person. But there's something no. definitely heavier about her like physicality mm. as she like sits down. Um, yeah, that's just that whole carrying the years that have been lived yeah. sort of thing. It'd be interesting to speak to her what, um, about what she thinks of the album and the kind of... Because she's kind of lived through it. <laughs> yeah. She's had to actually think about how the album comes across internally. Apparently. Because it's almost... Go on. No, go on, sir. I was just going to say the way she 
does it is almost like a dance. Yeah, well, so apparently she wanted to. Apparently, she like she knew Mike Mills, the director, mm. from her training at uh, ballet school. Uh, so she trained as a ballet dancer. Apparently, that makes sense. And she wanted to. She said to him that she wanted to do something where she could do some dance. There isn't actually a lot of dance in the film. She does occasionally at points do a little bit of dancing. Like there's one mm. scene in like a warehouse sort of setting where she sort of starts dancing with the like the beam of the like in the middle yeah. of the warehouse. I would um, argue though that the physicality of her acting is kind of dance esque yeah. the whole way through. Because to be able to go from an infant to an elderly person all within the space of 20 minutes. It really showcases her dance training. Yeah, there's a point where she's like sitting, she's like lying on the floor with a child who's supposed to be her like best friend. Mm. And you can watch her with this child and I totally believe that they're the same age. It's really weird. Yeah. Like I can see they're not, but I really believe they are it's the way like her her physical awareness of self is Mm. very impressive like she definitely knows how every part of her body is being held like if you actually take a minute to think about how you're sitting right now yeah how unaware you are of what different parts of your body are doing yeah so trying to do what she's doing must have taken a lot of practice and mental training. Yeah, because she's like, she's with children throughout the film, like whether they're supposed to be her friends or her son or her like granddaughter. And in each stage, you see her with those children at the age she's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Um, so when she's with her, like her friend, and she's supposed to be a child, you totally believe that she is the same age as the child. But when she's talking to her yeah. granddaughter later on, I can buy that it's her granddaughter. It's a grandchild. Yeah, it's hard to explain if you haven't seen the film, but um, it's on YouTube. How much of the film do you think came from um, the the like? the songs themselves and how much of the album do you think was based on the film? Well, apparently they sort of worked like sort of separately, but at the same time. Yeah. So I don't know. It's interesting because you can definitely see where there's a crossover. It does drip in and out of it starts off feeling more like a music video. Mm. And then after about 10, 15 minutes, it feels like a film. And it drifts in and out of being like, oh, is this like an artsy music video or is this a film Mm. that has a very interlinked soundtrack? Yeah. Because it's not like sitting down, even the Hayley Williams stuff. It's a music video. Yeah. Although it's spread out like a film and it's got the interludes and stuff, 
it's, it's still fr- music yeah, videos. It's very definitely a music video. And it's cut like a music video, etc. This is cut like a film. Yeah. yeah. Um, definitely put together like a, a film. But then at points, it feels like a music video. Yeah. Which is interesting. Um, It'd be in- But that's where I get the question as to whether how much the director changed what he was doing because of the songs or whether the national spent more time changing the songs to fit with the film. Yeah. Well, apparently the title comes from the title of the album. I'm easy to find was Mike Mills's idea, not the national's idea. Yeah. What do you think the meaning is behind that title? Fucking hell. That's a, that's a question, isn't it? My initial, how I feel about that, and this goes back to how she plays the same age. Yeah. Uh, she plays the same physical age the whole time, even though she changes throughout the thing. Basically means that you are born yourself. Therefore, you are all, you, you're always easy to find as long as you just kind of go back to your natural self. That's what I get from it. Mm. I am easy to find because I'm always me. And in a way, everyone will always see you as you. So you're not hard to find. It's just whether you actually take the time to observe yourself. Yeah, that, I think that's, that's probably a good yeah. interpretation. I'm looking at the lyrics at the moment of that song just to see if... Um, and actually, it's kind of kind of mirrors what you've been saying there's the li- there's the line that says uh well the first verse actually is all about how they're not going anywhere so it's like it literally says mm. i'm not going anywhere i'm still standing in the same place where you left me standing so um because mm. the film does feel like everything changes around her and the image of her lying in the bed at the end when you know she's yeah. an old woman on her deathbed but looking exactly the same. Yeah. Um, sort of feels like that. Yeah, it's, it's a really beautiful concept, this album, actually. The more I think about the whole idea behind it, it's a very good example of what can happen when you get a lot of very clear and quite pure minds together. It feels very innocent and sweet and it's very relatable. It's not political. It's not about anything in history. It is literally just about one's understanding of self without the kind of added weight of culture background it's very pure just very i think anyone could understand this album even if you don't like the music like me yeah you can't help but actually if you're really listening to it or watching the film you can't help but feel connected to it and that's sort of mirrored in the 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 whole idea of the the film about being like one person and then loads of other people that come in and out of a character's life. Mm. That's that's mirrored by the amount of different people they have on the album, like the different female voices that come in and sing on the album. 
Actually, you know what? I think that is something that deters me from not in Kansas a little bit as a song. Because it feels very it's, much Matt Berninger on his own. Well, no, it's more that thinking about like my mindset when listening to the album, I felt very, it felt very relatable. And then that song comes in and it's very location, it's very geographically set in an American... Uh, okay. Yeah. It kind of takes you out of it unless you're from a country, American country background. That song doesn't feel very relatable to me. I mean, it doesn't help that I found it very dreary anyway. Mm. But actually, the lyrics take away from the kind of See, the simplicity. I, I don't know if I agree. And again, I really like the song, so probably yeah. going to disagree on that. But I almost, um, I, I get what you're saying about it. it. Feels like very like specific by like referencing Kansas. It feels very specific. Yeah, but I th- I feel like it's still very um, like I I feel like I could almost substitute. Yeah, I think maybe the place he's in and and with my own sort of experience and and that song i think there's just a few choicings of words there's a lot of lyrics in this uh yeah but i think it, a lot of the lyrics about place where he's referencing the surroundings that he had in kansas yeah i think if some of those were changed to be a little bit more less specific o- less specific more open yeah it would feel much more relatable to the album yeah i can probably I don't know. to me I it can stands out mm. it does stand out to me on the album though whether it be good or bad it mm. stands out as a song and maybe not in a good way in relation to the album yeah i can see why you'd like the song though because lyrically it is very well pieced together yeah there's a lot of lyrics. I cuz I I basically I was I was fiddling around on guitar the other day. Yeah. And I like I basically worked out the main riff of this song like accidentally. And uh and then and then I was like uh oh. Oh, maybe I could like do a cover of this. And then I was like <laughs> and then I looked at the lyrics. And I was like I'm never going to remember all of those. Just it's That's never a gonna. lot of lyrics. I do love this lyric though, which completely just separately um the he says the first testament was really great the sequel was incredible yeah. like the godfathers or the first two strokes and i was like oh, i can't like that I yeah like the, i like the reference there is some really nice lyrics in there i just don't like his voice that's all it is mm. what is it about his voice that you don't like is it sort of the uh, dreariness sounds harsh but because I like the dreariness, but sometimes the dreariness fits, mm. and it feels purposeful. Because I same way that... you feel like the dreariness really fits in light years. Yes, yeah, it's similar. He's got a similar voice to, and not tonally, but to Julia Casablancas, where. It's an odd voice mm. and it works for their style of music, but sometimes 
I wonder whether he's singing the way he is because that's the only way he can sing or whether he's doing it as a, an actual tool to get across the style. Right. Because I, I remember I found that a lot on the third and the fourth Strokes albums. It felt like Julia Casablancas was singing in the only way he could sing that song just because of a lack of... Not necessarily a lack of talent, but a lack of trying to do something out of the box for mm. himself. That's how it feels with the national singer a little bit. Okay. Sometimes it feels like he's singing that way just because that's the only way he knows how. Yeah. And it doesn't necessarily actually fit with the music behind it. But then you get a song like Light Years, which oh, and, I, I think yeah. like the interplay between that sort of... Uh, piano riff that's going on that's quite uh i also think i am easy to find a lot of the he's very low Mm. a lot of the time in his vocal range and then the female vocalist is singing in a very soft head voice yeah and they just sit so nicely together it makes sense yeah also the way he sings light is if you look at it like um and I don't know if really if that's necessarily what the song's about, but at that point in the in the film, because Light Years plays sort of over the credits of the film, but it starts playing when she's in bed. You feel mm. like she's dying, sort of thing as an old woman. I the way he sort of sings Light Years, he's, he's there's like a heaviness to it, and it's there almost like heaviness. he's adopting the physicality of the character. But then the song is also has a lightness to it that you could almost imagine is sort of mm. like the soul leaving the body if you were getting a sort of transcendental about it. You know what I mean? It's the way he's singing feels emotionally heavy, but actually quite light. It's as if it's, it's a bit like if you were to sing to someone on their deathbed. Yeah. You know what I mean? So almost as if he's not the character at this point as he is through the whole album, but almost as if you were by someone's bedside as Mm. they were dying singing to them, there would be an emotional heaviness there. Yeah. Because of the feelings you were experiencing. But there would be actual... Yeah, there'd be like a calming sort of softness to the way you would sing Mm. because you wouldn't want to sort of... I think that's where this whole song works very well as the end song. Like chord-wise, chord harmonically, it's very simple. Mm. It just kind of goes around on a four-chord thing from what I remember. The lyrics are very... I mean, just the title, Light Year, it's just like the whole thing's about even though this is now the end, you'll still carry on within this kind of legacy. Yeah. And you've been yourself this whole time, and that you yourself will carry on for light years. And the way he sings that with her, and it's that very, it's like a ballet between the two voices of just like, yes, this is the end, but it will carry on forever, sort of thing. Yeah. It's a very nice song to end an album on. Like the last three songs, well, because there's like the interlude, the second to last thing. It's like a one minute track, isn't it? Yeah. Which you texted me about saying that you were loving when you texted me. Yeah, that, that, those last three songs, 
kind of made me forget about any issue I had with the rest of the album. So Rylan, Underwater, Light Years. Yeah. Interesting. They're an, it's a nice little trio because it picks it up to like that kind of an almost kind, not an anger, but Ryland kind of, it's that last little push to remember why you've lived. Yeah. And then there's that nice little interlude that takes you into light years that is just that kind of acceptance and that appreciation. Yeah. It really sums up the album. Rylan, actually, the the sort of constant um, lyrical refrain in Rylan is, Rylan, you should try and get some sun. And that is kind of, it's kind of appropriate if you're thinking about it being towards mm. the end of someone's life. It's very easy for them to sort of stay inside... Um, just kind of hang on it hang yeah. on feel feel maybe feel a bit down about you know you're getting to the end and it's sort of like you should get out get some sun it's like get out you know mm. there's still joy to be had despite you know this it's kind of like it's this like you said it's a sort of a last hurrah before we get to the end and it's kind of yeah peaceful yeah this album is actually quite a an interesting observation on living really and life it's definitely a life. go on it's quite a fitting album for current la- current days yeah to a certain extent yeah uh, yeah i would definitely suggest that anyone in isolation currently should listen to it and you will probably cry maybe but uh, equally i don't think because I, I actually got a bit emotional when I watched the film yesterday. Yeah, um, I agree. But not in a... Not in a bad way. Yeah, not in like a... But not even in like a sad way. It was kind of like in a sort of like... It is a bit sad, the film. It's quite sad, the film. Have you ever watched the film Boy, um, directed by Taika Waititi? No, but I need to still. That's very similar in the sense... Obviously, it's only based around a kid's childhood. But yeah. It's one of those films. It doesn't have a sad or happy ending. It just kind of ends. And it's more the fact that the film is an observation of the innocence of childhood and how how you can be influenced by adults and negative things and how some people will make that a lesson other people will take that the wrong way but even though the film doesn't necessarily end sad the kind of the beauty of the whole package and the message yeah it all it 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 brings a tear to your eye because of the kind of purity of it i feel as well there's moments in this in the film of i'm easy to find where um because I guess everyone who's watching it will be at a different stage in their life, a different age, yeah. different point in their life. Um, but you can connect to, like, sort of wherever you are in that stage, you can connect to something in this film mm. because it literally spans a lifetime. So you can... Um, there's lots of scenes where you can sort of see... It, it's, it's, it's interesting because it's quite, it's quite a specific story her like life is quite specific in a way mm. um you know there's a bit where she sort of like falls out of love with her husband and she like sleeps with someone else and not everyone will be able to relate to that but they also make it 
sort of not but everyone non- can relate to yeah. falling out of love with someone. Yeah, they make it like specific enough that she has a, a defined you get what character. The term is. Yeah, but it's it's sort of vague enough that I feel like anyone can relate to it. Anyone can mm. can see themselves in her character. I would actually really like to see. You know, you get those reaction videos online to like. Pensioners yeah. watch Slipknot for the first time. <laughs> yeah. I actually would quite like to see a kind of 18 to 22 year old sort of age sitting down and watching this with someone in their kind of 80s, more towards end of life. Mm. Actually sit there, let them watch it together, and then talk about it from the two different perspectives. Yeah. Like I'd, also really like, I'd also really mm. like to see a child watch it as well. Yeah, kind of, actually, yeah, having kind of 10-year-old, 20-year-old, 40-year-old, 80-year-old yeah. sit down and then actually talk together as a group. Because I imagine for, for someone our age and younger, it's probably quite freeing seeing it. I definitely got a sense of like, life's got so much to give it's going to be so much there's going to be so much enjoyment that i'll get out of life Mm. still from watching it someone middle-aged i can imagine it'd be the most difficult to watch because it's like look at all the stuff that i've already done Mm. i've got to do all of that again is it going to go well like there's probably more like i've done more so there's more to be worried about yeah to a certain extent and then I feel like watching this as somebody who's more towards the end of their life, it's going to be a very heartwarming, like, yeah. Even though I'm one person out of an infinite amount of things, mm. I did do a lot. And I enjoyed a lot of it. There's a point in it where um, there's a scene where uh, Alicia Vikander's mother dies and she, like, mm. hears the news, she, like, gets a phone call. And and her acting is brilliant in that scene. She's sort of like gasping for like she's sort of like hyperventilating, sort of like can't catch yeah. her breath, sort of thing. Um, but then it cuts to it a, a lot of the way through the film. It like cause the whole film's in black and white, but there's lots of bits where it cuts to just like a block of color to sort of yeah. like break up like chapters in a way. And mm. it goes from that. You have the subtitle saying she finds out her mother died. And you have that scene, which is quite emotional. And then it cuts to a block of red. And then it just says new television programs or like discovering new television programs or something like that. And that said to me quite a lot about how um, these like massive moments in your life, like Mm. your mother dying, um you at the time you're in it you think is sort of the be all and end all of your it's life it's the end of know? the world yeah, it's the end it's... of the world and i thought having a, the line come straight after about new television programs just like sort of mm. so like beautifully encapsulated like how we sort of like have these traumatic moments but then we sort of move on and actually are able to you know you have these like cataclysmic Mm. events that well you think they're cataclysmic events in your life and and that the world is 
irrevocably changed at that point and there's no going back from it. But actually, however long mm. that takes, there will be a point at some point where you're just back to discovering a new television program. And that yeah. seems so mundane, but... Um, I think that's... that. I think you could consider the fact that we get so caught up on life and death and that with other people... <clears throat> when you compare that to animals, mm. the animal kingdom, we're definitely the only species that really gets that caught up on losing people. Yeah. It's interesting. I do like that. That I might actually go and... I'm, I think I'll have to rewatch the film now yeah. we've spoken about it. Yeah. Because I definitely... I watched it as a... Like you do with any film. I watched it and I was like... Oh, that was good. I like that. I was like, that was emotional. And now actually we've spoken about it. It's like, actually, no, let's go and rewatch it. Yeah. Maybe pause it at points, try another because there is actually the more we talk about it, the more I'm thinking how much actually how much social observation actually goes on throughout the whole film. What would really be interesting is if you took this idea of someone playing the same character through their whole life, but you know, never aging them for the film. Mm. If you took that and applied it to a conventional sort of feature film, like what what that would be like in terms of like seeing Alessio Vikander act as a child with children. I think it would make a very good war film. Oh, that'd be interesting. So you imagine kind of late 20-year-old men who all become friends in their little country town and then they all sign up for World War Two or something. But they're yeah. all, while they're kids, they're adults. And you see them playing and forming their bonds. And then they go to war. Maybe a couple of them die. And yeah. then they come back. And they're obviously still adults. And you watch them become veterans. And you see the young people of today kind of respecting them, but also judging them upon what happened in the war. But they're still the same people. That you saw and at actually, the start, yeah. Yeah, and that would actually allow the viewer to see the people who were these children that were just playing to then people who were actually murdering people in war to then these people that are now seen as veterans but still have to live with all of the stuff that they did during the war. Yeah, because there's an interesting... There is an interesting, I think, disconnect between... We see, like, the uh, that guy who walked around his garden recently to raise money for the age, Captain Tom yeah. Moore, who turned 100 today. Um, I find I can find it quite difficult to... Uh, I look at him and I see a 100-year-old man. Yeah. And he's in his sort of army unit and he's got his medals. But it's so hard to connect that with uh, however Somebody old he was actually then. Yeah, you know, 20 years old or whatever. Yeah. Going off to fight in a in a world war it's really hard to mm. sort of connect those two so that would be an interesting idea if you could yeah it would be nice to because obviously it would be arty and a lot of people would be like why does he stay the same age yeah but i think it would just it would be nice to have that visual identification of this is the same person but what i like i think what what this this like 25 minute short film 
showed to me is that you don't actually a lot of the time you don't need to age actors up yeah, uh, like agreed. physically it's in the acting it's in the acting because so often as well that sort of aging is uh is distracting is distracting anyway because it mm. never looks quite right or at least your brain can tell that it's not quite right so well, this is where actually the irishman i think the aging is really well done the thing that holds it back is the actual physical acting of their bodies mm. it's the fact they actually look really young and the cgi doesn't actually but they take still me walk like it. an old man yeah and sound like they're an trying old man. not to yeah yeah that's the issue behind it but yeah. also they are incredible actors so i can see i can see scorsese's point behind it and it's also nice for someone like scorsese to actually be like mate i've i've completed films like, <laughs> completed films <laughs> i've done it I might as well yeah. just do a four-hour marathon thing that completely changes the way that we do de-aging. Yeah. Even if people don't like it, you can't deny that he did some pretty impressive things with one of the best lineups of actors. Also, to have Scorsese do it as well was a real sort of sign of like... Also uh, one of the first being major ex- feature films on Netflix. Yeah, but also like just really sort of like... Scorsese doing it sort of signaled like, okay, this is okay for the film industry to do. Because if yeah. if a superhero film had done it, then people would, would be questioning it. Or a Star Wars film had done it, people would be yeah. like, oh, I'm not sure that that's appropriate or that's, you know, that you should be doing that. But Scorsese it's, does it and then people yeah. are like, okay, cool. It's like if um, if somebody like Max Martin or Diplo decided to come out with a amazing ambient concept album that Mm. touches on metal and pop and dance if they did it it would be like oh shit pop can be whatever you want it to be like this is chart music can be whatever if if somebody like maybe more even someone like taylor swift if she did it it would be more shunned because i would argue that she's not respected as a songwriter compared to somebody like Diplo or Max Martin, yeah, in the same sense. Taylor Swift, <laughs> Taylor Swift is the is the superhero films of Hollywood. <laughs> um, so, concluding thoughts on the Nationals. I am easy to find. Um, I feel like we've gone on a journey with this, haven't we? It's a very, it's a special album. It's very special. Which is interesting coming from George, who doesn't actually really like it. Yeah, I don't really like it that much as a as a listener, but as a respecter of music and especially albums, it is a very special album and should make it onto a lot of top 100 lists. I, and I think that says quite a lot about this, that someone who doesn't like it, who probably won't listen to it again, yeah, I I will listen or to it maybe again. at some point, but yeah, it's not going to be, be on listen- constant yeah. rotation, right? Um, I'm not going to be listening to it because I enjoy it. I will be listening to it because I respect it. Um, if that makes, I don't know if that makes much sense, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. No, I know what you mean. Though. Uh, I think yeah, there's an interesting, and I don't, I don't always find what the enemy says interesting, mm. but. There's a, they sum up their review of the album quite 
well, it says, after all, I Am Easy to Find is not a hit parade. It's not a background record. It's not something for cherry-pick streaming. It's bigger than that. It's the national opening up their world to everyone and you should probably join them. And I think that's... I think that's pretty yeah. spot on, really. Um, yeah, it, it's it's quite genre-defying in the sense of its its songwriting. Like, it doesn't matter if you like the genre or not. If you give it the time of day, you will like it. And there you go. On that stunning conclusion, we will end. Uh, thank you very much for listening once again. If you like what you hear, then please subscribe share it with your friends go and listen to all the other uh episodes we have done uh check out our links to our social media and our youtube page in the description of this podcast and join us next time for us listening and discussing to george dave brubeck well actually no it's the dave brubeck quartet with time out jazzy um jazz yeah 50s jazz um so until next time have a good week whether you're in quarantine still or not um and we will see you next time goodbye Bye.